You're listening to sermons from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church, please visit our website at gcceugene.org. Well, it's good to see you all this morning. Uh, Today we actually have a guest preacher coming in to fulfill the pulpit, and his name is Sean Duncan. He's a good friend of Rick and Brad's, actually works over at UFC. I actually, Brad asked me earlier this week if I could come up and introduce and do the benediction and kind of close this out. And I said, is there, is there anything special you'd like me to say about Sean when introducing him? And he said, I don't think so. <laughs> so uh, the bar set pretty low. Uh, I love it. Can't do much worse than that. No, uh, Sean's actually been faithfully serving over at University Fellowship Church for six years. Yep. As on staff. Yep, on staff since 2016. Cool. And then he's been leading youth ministry there, but has uh, recently stepped into college ministry leading the good fight. Yep. So uh, he's here today to faithfully deliver the word, give us the gospel. Um, and yeah, we're excited to hear you do that. Uh, we're excited to hear the gospel from you. If you don't, we'll chase you out of here with pitchforks and torches. So I wouldn't have it any other way. That's okay, fine. perfect. <laughs> so I'm going to actually pray for Sean and then we'll get we'll let him do his thing. So God, thank you for Sean. Thank you for men uh, able to step into the pulpit and deliver us your word. I pray that the truth would be heralded this morning, that you'd be glorified in all that's said. I pray that the gospel would again transform and shape our lives every single time we get to hear it from your word uh, exhorted to us and how the gospel changes all of life and all of what we do, how it's fundamentally changed our relationship with one another and with you. And we're excited to hear that this morning, God. Uh, speak powerfully through Sean. Uh, give him the words that we need to hear. If there's anything he's prepared that you you don't believe is for your people, we pray that it be removed. And just pray that you would uh, powerfully speak through him. Um, we love you, God. We thank you for this place, this space to come and worship you together with our brothers and sisters of Christ uh, from Gospel Community Church, from University Fellowship Church, from, from all your different churches around the world that are globally united and bringing the gospel to this broken, broken world, uh, continuing the healing mission of Jesus. And so, God, we, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. And we give you this time. Amen. Thanks, Ronnie. Well, good morning. I'm really excited to be here. I love Gospel Community Church, even though this is my first time being here. And I, I love this church, uh, not because your pastors are fun and my friends, not because you're friendly, but because Jesus is here. And I'm sure if you've been a part of GCC for a few years now, or maybe just a few weeks, you've experienced that Christ is present in this room and in this community, that this, this church is not built on character or charisma, but built on Christ and the proclamation of who he is. So I'm excited to be with you this morning. Uh, when Rick called me two weeks ago, I asked if I could fill in the pulpit. I, I was really excited, mainly because it was he was in need of someone to come in to just give the, the other preachers, the other pastors and elders here rest. And ministry is hard and challenging, just as even though it's joyful. So I'm excited that that your pastors are getting rest right now. And, and Rick asked if I could I could speak on the topic of spiritual formation. If that's a new phrase for you, you've never heard spiritual formation, there's kind of two ways of looking at it. One way of thinking about spiritual formation is like the practices put in place that you grow through. Maybe like, you know, if you want to get bigger and get stronger, you go to the gym and you do exercises. Those would be practices like reading your Bible or praying or Sabbath, silence and solitude, attending church. These are spiritual practices. These are spiritual disciplines and God forms us through them. So that's one way of thinking about spiritual formation. 
But the other way of thinking about spiritual formation is actually how the growth happens. How does God actually cause growth to occur through these means? So just the same if you wanted to think about how do you get stronger? How do you build muscle? You could talk about the exercises or you could talk about how muscle tissues tear and then muscle tissues reform and you have more muscle and more strength. So I want to do actually both of those this morning. I want to show you how God actually is growing us and the means by which he does that. So we're going to be in John chapter 15. If you have your Bible, John chapter 15, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. If you don't have a Bible, there I did see a stack of Bibles in the back. I assume that those are GCC's gifts to you. So you can take one of those and you, that is your gift to take home. We want you to all have a Bible. So we're going to see how God forms us both for our joy and for his glory. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 and then I'll, I'll again pray for us. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be, be in you and that your joy may be full. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for Gospel Community Church. Thank you that they are established and rooted and anchored on the testimony of who Christ is, that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. God, we would pray for the, the elders, the pastors, the leaders of Gospel Community Church, that you would encourage them this weekend and in this season, that you would strengthen them for ministry and that you would protect them from temptation. And God, we pray for this body, that you would be knitting them together in love and that you would be, be teaching them and instructing them by the gospel to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. God, we, we love you and we need you. We ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. A friend of mine once said that clarity is kindness. And, and I agree with him. And this text is very kind to us because it is very clear and obvious. The application is not hard to find. Verse four, Jesus says, abide in me. And again, in verse nine, Jesus says, abide in my love. So out of kindness, let me be clear that the application and the point of my sermon is abide in Christ. That's what I want you to hear this morning. I want you to hear abide in Christ. But I actually want to ask a question. I want to ask, why abide in Christ? I actually think that this text, it shows for us at least four convincing benefits for why we should abide in Christ. So we're going to walk 
through this text, and we're going to hop back into it at different places and see these benefits of abiding in Christ unfold. So look again, verses 1 through 4. Jesus, in his upper room discourse, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'd like to illustrate what Jesus means when he says abide, but friends, I'm going to need you to all remain seated. No, seriously, don't, please don't move. Remain seated. What did you just do? Nothing. Isn't that incredible? This is what Jesus means when he says abide. You just simply remained where you were. You stayed located in a specific place. You persisted in sitting, and you all continued to depend on these black metal chairs for your comfort and your support. That's what the Greek word behind the word abide, it, that's what this means. It means to remain or to stay or to persist, to continue in, to wait. Here's how Paul uses it. Here's an example. It's 2 Timothy verse, chapter 3, verse 14. You're going to do a series I hear coming up in 2 Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue or abide in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. So continue in, remain in the course that you have set in the faith. And although for us, maybe the word abide sounds like Christianese today, it's actually a, a very good English word to use here. Think about it like this. You all live somewhere and you abide there but that's your abode that you live at. So you abide, verb, in your abode, noun. You all dwell in your dwelling place. You all live in your home. So that's what Jesus means here. But we also might use this word to say abide by the law. And what we mean is conform to the law. And that sense is also present here when Jesus says, abide in me. He's instructing us. He's encouraging his disciples. Remain in me. Stay in me. Live in me. Continue in me. Be conformed to me. Abide in me. So here's my definition, if you're a note taker, for what it means to abide in Christ. To abide in Christ is to rest in Christ, remain in Christ, and be remade by Christ. To rest, remain, and be remade by Christ. So maybe you think, well, how do I, how do, I do that? It, although this text is not a DIY tutorial, uh, thankfully, John 15 exists in the book of John, and Jesus has actually already told us how to abide in him. In John chapter 6, verse 56, he says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And if you got a little nervous just now, like he's going to talk about transubstantiation for communion today, don't worry. I don't think that's a doctrine that gospel community church holds, nor is it one that I hold. In John 6, 35, that was a theology joke. Don't worry about it. In John 6, verse 35, Jesus is giving a metaphor. In John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
In other words, if you want to eat or feed on Jesus's flesh, you come to him. And if you want to drink Jesus's blood, you believe in him and you'll never thirst. So what it means to abide in Jesus, then, if you want to abide, you come to Jesus believing in him for eternal life. That is how we abide. It's a a constant, ongoing believing in Christ as the Messiah who gives eternal life. And that's why, in verse 3, he says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. He says, "You're, You're already in me because the word has cleansed you. The gospel has cleansed you. Who I am has cleansed you. So why abide in Christ? Let me show you. Let me show you four benefits from the text. So again, let me read verse one through four. I just want the word to pour over us. I am the vine. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The first and perhaps most obvious benefit of abiding in Christ is life. Life. I have a picture. This is a picture of an apple tree. This apple tree, it's thriving. And you can tell that's thriving because of its green leaves, its ripe fruit, the strong branches able to support the abundance of apples. And this next picture, this is a picture of a dead stick on the ground. I did not take this. This is from Google. This stick cannot and will not grow leaves. And it definitely cannot bear fruit. And as each day passes, it becomes weaker and more brittle and more dry to the point that it's good for nothing except for maybe kindling of a fire. How ludicrous, how idiotic, how absurd would it be if we were to walk over to that branch on the sidewalk and say, branch, if you start bearing fruit, then you can join the tree and live. How absurd would that be? And yet that's so often what we do to others and what we do to ourselves. You, you want to be saved? You, you need to stop sleeping around and stop going to parties, then you can be saved. You want to be a Christian? You need to go to church, read your Bible, and start serving. Then you'll be a Christian. You want eternal life? You better clean up your act and stop being such an obvious sinner. You want God and others to accept you? Well, you better not let anyone see your mistakes. Maybe you don't say that with your mouth, but maybe with your heart. That's the posture. That's the thing that we say to ourselves. Friends, we are not saved because of what we do. If you think you need to be someone or something before being accepted by God, then you've got it all wrong. You're expecting a dead stick to grow apples. A branch does not grow fruit to join the vine. A, A branch does not grow fruit to join the vine. You cannot bear fruit, let alone live unless you first abide in the vine. The vine is, like, is the stalk of, of the grape plant. So it's kind of like the trunk of a tree, and, and then the branches are the offshoots that the, maybe the, the, the apples would grow on. The branches of, of the vine, branches even of a tree, they derive all of their life from the vine, from the stalk. And the vine, the way the vine produces its fruit is through the branches. The way way Christ will produce his fruit is through his disciples. That's how 
God works. No branch has life in itself. It's completely and utterly dependent for life and for fruitfulness on the vine which it's attached to. But maybe you're here this morning as a visitor, and if you're a visitor here, you've stumbled upon something glorious here at Gospel Community Church. You should join this church and be a part of this church. But if you've, you're here as a visitor, or maybe you've not let, yet placed your faith in Jesus, maybe you're just thinking right now, oh, well, Sean, I feel pretty alive. I mean, I can move my hands and I'm listening to you talk. I feel pretty alive in this moment. But imagine a, a beautiful bouquet of flowers, the centerpiece of your kitchen table. Smells amazing, looks beautiful, and yet it's dead. You leave those flowers. Maybe you, you prolong the events with some water in a vase, but you leave those flowers and they slowly wilt decay, they fade, they become pungent in their smell until they're good for nothing except to be thrown out. Don't be tricked into thinking the bouquet is alive. Look at verses 5 and 6. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. There there is an ultimate end in sight in Jesus' teaching here. There will be a harvest, and there will be a fire. Abundant and eternal life for those who are in Christ. Destruction and eternal death for those who are not in Christ. What Christ offers all of us this morning And all people of all time, Christ offers abundant and eternal life to all who come to him, believing in him. So abide in Christ and live. That's the first benefit of abiding in Christ, is true and abundant eternal life. But the second benefit of abiding in Christ, look with me at verse 7. The second benefit is growth. When you abide in Christ, you grow. I want to show you actually a few ways of how God is growing us. Verse 7 If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Catch it? The word abides in you and you ask. The word abides and you pray. So how is it possible when Jesus says, when you abide in me, my word abides in you, how is it possible for Christ's word to abide in you? You read your Bible. You read your Bible, consuming and filling yourself with the Word of God, and the Word of God abides and resides in you as you reside in Christ. It's a profound and simple reality. Jesus' people are Bible people. Jesus' people are Bible people. You rest in Christ. You remain in Christ. You are remade by Christ by reading your Bible. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. As your mind is renewed in the scriptures, you are transformed as a new creation. The Christian without the practice of Bible reading is like a bodybuilder without a gym. It's hard to grow. And in the same manner, a Christian without, with commitment to Jesus, but not to the word is like an anorexic bodybuilder. You have to eat big to get big. So the more you consume, the more you grow. Or to put it into Jesus's metaphor that he's using, the word of God is the life-giving, nutrient-rich sap that gives life to the vine, from the vine to the branches. The old saying goes, you are what you eat. And although I'm not yet a Domino's pizza or a rack of ribs, the idea 
is that what you regularly consume shapes who you are. It shapes who you are. And I'll never forget this. It was before COVID, 2019. Like TikTok was the big stir. And I used to do youth ministry. So every Sunday at church, I was talking to high schoolers and middle schoolers. And there was this middle school girl. And we were by the coffee and snack table. And I walked over to her. And I said, hey, how's school going? And she's like, oh, school's pretty good. I really like my classes right now. Everything's going good. And she's like, she's doing the renegade dance. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, you're dancing. She's like, I am? didn't even realize it. Did not even realize it. She had been on TikTok so much and practicing it so often that it actually shaped who she was to where it was, it was as natural for her as breathing. Imagine if you consumed scripture the way you, can screw, the way you consume your phone, how God might shape you and change you by consuming his word into the image of Christ. The word shapes us. There was a study done in 2009, actually, on, on just the habit and pattern of Bible reading. Someone who has a consistent diet of Scripture, someone who reads their Bible four or more times a week, some of the, the natural effects that it had in their life. Someone who reads their Bible four or more times a week, they're 57% uh, lower likely to get drunk. They have a 68% lower chance of having sex outside of marriage. 61% lower chance of watching pornography, 74% lower chance of gambling. Those are all just side effects of consuming scripture. But here's where it actually gets really impressive. Someone who reads their Bible, a regular diet, four or more times a week of the word of God, they are 228% more likely to share their faith with others. You want to share the gospel with people, which I hope you do. You want to reach the lost be people who consume the Bible regularly. That will fuel your evangelism. People who read the Bible consistently are 231 times more likely to disciple other people. And people who, who consume Scripture regularly are 407% higher chance of memorizing Scripture. You want to memorize Scripture? Just fill yourself with Scripture regularly. Rather than focus on Scripture memory, just focus on Scripture reading. God grows us, his people. He grows us by the pulsating life of the vine through his word. Why would you not come to the dinner table and eat and read scripture? So, so yes, I am saying, read your Bible. Read your Bible, not because it will attach you to the vine, but because you are attached to the vine. And this is the way the vine wants to feed you. The true vine wants to give you true life through his word. This is God's gracious means to grow us. But, but look again at verse 7. So if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you. So the abiding word grows us in such a way where we pray. Right? That's, the, that's the natural outpouring of when we fill ourselves with God's word, we pour out words to God and we pray to him. But not just any prayers. Actually, when we consume God's word, it shapes what we begin to ask for. You know, I loved doing youth ministry because um, there was very genuine prayers from sixth grade middle school boys at 530 in the morning in a small group. God, I got a game today. Can I not strike out? I'm like, that's great. I should actually pray more like that because they're being honest with the things that they want. But then I watched them over time go from sixth graders to seventh graders to eighth graders, and they consume God's word. And over time, what happens is they begin to pray. And if, even though I'm hearing their voice, it sounds like I'm hearing Christ's heart. 
for the people around them. And that's how God does for us. And, and God always says yes to the heart of Christ. So as God's word shapes us, it shapes our prayer life. This is what Christians call devotionals or devos, spending time in God's word. The purpose of daily devotionals is not getting God happy with you, but about getting your heart happy in God. We should all make time for the one who made time. So this is how God grows the branches. This is how God grows you. But there's actually more ways that he's growing us. Look at verse 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Abiding grows you in obedience to Christ. A fish is made to flourish and live abundantly in water. But if a fish departs the water and makes haste for land, it would flop, gasp, and it would suffer. A fish must honor its design that it was made for. It was designed for water, not for land. And real freedom is finding those restrictions and living in them. So also, Christian, you were made to flourish grow, and live abundantly in the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. And just as a fish abides and rests and lives in water by swimming and not going to land, so we abide and rest in Christ by keeping his commands. Parents, you might actually realize this better than most. Think about the commands that you give your children, your words that you say that you want them to listen to. Don't run in the street. Look both ways. Hold my hand. Don't play with the outlets. Say please and thank you. Wash your hands before you eat. Eat your vegetables. It's bedtime. Go brush your teeth and go to sleep. Put your dirty clothes in the hamper. Don't text while driving. Do you give your children these rules because you're some evil, maniacal psychopath? No. Besides maybe like eat your vegetables, but no. You say all these things because you love your children. You love them and you want them to flourish. Your when your child listens to your rules, they're abiding, they're experiencing your love. They're experiencing your compassion and your care and your best interest for them. And how much more does God love us? God loves us so much more, so much more than you love your own children. And every time we choose to listen to Jesus instead of listening to sin, we're experiencing Jesus' own compassion and care and best interest for us. We're abiding in his love. Jesus' commands, they're not there to diminish our life. They're there to increase our living. Warren Wearsby, he said, Obedience to God's word gives you wings, not chains. And hey, for the parents in the room, when, you're, when your kid doesn't listen to you, you know, like they don't wash their hands before coming to the dinner table and they eat anyways, are they all of a sudden no longer your child? Of course not. They're still your son. They're still your daughter. And you still love them. They just aren't experiencing your love and your compassion and your care in a unique way in that moment. The same thing for you and for me. When we, when we falter and when we fail, it's not that all of a sudden we're kicked out of the vine. It's just that we're not experiencing in that moment God's own care and compassion through abiding in his word and obedience. God grows us in the love of Christ through faithfulness to his word. The last way I want to point out that God is growing us, this benefit of growing, abiding also grows us by pruning. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. So 
Because you're connected to the vine, you have this intimate relationship with the father, who's the, the gardener and the tender of the vine into the branches. Verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the father, takes or he cuts away, removes entirely. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I want us to all notice that both branches get cut. Both branches get cut. One gets cut off, the other has some cut off. God is at work sanctifying us. He is making us more like Christ. He's, he's cutting, he's removing sin from our life, and he's making way for the production of more holiness in our life. Growing up, we had some apple trees in our yard, and they were, they were wild apple trees. And, and they were awesome to look at, but they produced horrible apples. So here was actually the problem. As they grew, all the branches, there were so many branches on them, that then it grew so many flowers that then in turn produced so many apples. And the apples grew so close together that they would kind of choke each other out. There wouldn't be enough room for them to grow large, so they would only get the size of about a golf ball. And then they were always touching each other. And if apples grow touching each other, they, they rot each other out. So if you even were to pluck an apple, it would be already rotted. So what a gardener does is comes in and actually makes way by cutting off branches that do produce fruit so that those apples can grow healthier and bigger and more full. Pruning involves cutting off bad branches, but it also involves cutting branches that do bear fruit. So to create space for bigger and healthier and better quality fruit to grow. Verse 2 says that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that does bear fruit, the fruit-bearing branches, the Father prunes. Do you see how the Father is intimately involved in your life? He's intimately involved in your life, and at times he cuts you. He cuts me. He's at work to prune us. He's slowly and carefully removing the bad through the conviction of the spirit, through the instruction of the word, the refining of community. And sometimes he might also cut to remove a good thing from us. But God removes golf ball apples to make way for bigger and better fruit. It's a good thing when God cuts us, but it's still a cut and cuts hurt. And I recognize that. But I hope what we see is that when God cuts us, he's a surgeon, not a butcher. He doesn't cut us to harm us. He cuts us to heal us and for our own health. So take comfort in your life, however the Father might be pruning you right now. He's intimately involved in your life to cultivate fruit. Which leads me to the third benefit of abiding in Christ. The third benefit of abiding in Christ is fruit. Fruit. When you abide in Christ, you bear fruit. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When you abide in Christ, there is guaranteed fruit. Guaranteed fruit. The, the fruit here that he's talking about is not some specific isolated action or event. The fruit is the totality of the Christian life. Here's how D.A. Carson puts it. This fruit is nothing less than the outcome of persevering dependence on the vine, driven by, by faith, embracing all of the believer's life and the product of his witness. In other words, the fruit 
is a life lived believing in Jesus until the end. That is the fruit that Christ is producing in and through us, that we would endure faithfully to the end, trusting that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. And this enduring fruit, look at verse 8. It says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This enduring perseverance, the abiding in Christ until the end, it's proof that someone is truly a saved believer. It's proof that someone is a disciple of Jesus. Maybe right now you're thinking, well, I feel like I don't really see fruit in my life. And to that, I'd say, I'd say two things. One, a word of challenge. The other, a word of comfort. The word of challenge. If you see no fruit in your life, uh, for example, you never hate your sin. You never repent of sin in your life. You never desire to be in the word and with God's people. You never see change in your habit or action towards holiness and away from sin. If you, if you see none of those things, I would just ha- ask you to consider, are you really abiding in Christ? Are you really abiding in Christ? Have you really come to him for salvation? Do you really believe in him as Lord and Savior? Or are you a stick on the sidewalk trying to grow an apple? But here's my word of comfort. If, if you're sitting here thinking, well, I, I really do think I'm abiding, but I really don't think I see fruit a lot. The word is actually to prunus avium. Prunus avium is Latin for the sweet cherry tree. The sweet cherry tree is one of the most desired trees because of its sweet fruit. You can you just stand at the tree, you can pluck, eat, and enjoy. It tastes like candy, but here's the thing. It's When you plant a sweet cherry tree, it takes four to seven years before it ever bears fruit. Four to seven years before it will ever produce a cherry. And even then, it has seasons where it does bear fruit, and it has seasons where it doesn't. Fruit takes time, but fruit will come. And the promise of John 15 is that there will be fruit. But remember, the metaphor is fruit, not Google searches. It takes time. So remember, a branch does not bear fruit to join the vine, but a branch on the vine does bear fruit. So I, 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 want, I don't want us to miss the point of all of this. Why is God giving us life? Why is God growing us? Why is God producing fruit through us, the life of Christ in us and through us producing this fruit? Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. It's all for the glory of God. It's all for the glory of the Father that we abide in Christ and bear fruit. The life, the growth, the fruit, all sourced in Christ is for the glory of the Father, not for the glory of the branches. It's not about us. It's about Christ. It's about the Father seeing what he has done for us. So the benefits of abiding in Christ, life, growth, fruit, fourth and final benefit, look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, referring to these commandments and all that he's been saying, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The fourth benefit of abiding in Christ is joy. Joy. When you abide in Christ, you'll have full and abundant joy. Being a Christian is not boring. If you meet boring Christians, I think they're doing it wrong. It is fun to be a Christian. It is joy-filled to be a Christian. But this isn't just any joy that we have. It's Christ's joy in us. He says 
I've said these things so that my joy may be in you. Meaning the things that Christ delights in, the things that Jesus takes pleasure in, will then be in you and the things that you take pleasure in and the things that you rejoice in. And when Jesus, when his delight is in you, it becomes your delight and your joy is then filled up. So think about this. Jesus is God incarnate. He's 100% God. He's 100% human, the hypostatic union. God is infinite. He is unmeasurable. He is without limit. He is beyond comprehension. And the same with his joy. The joy of Christ, God the Son, is unmeasurable, without limit, beyond comprehension. And Jesus offers it to you. He wants to give you his joy, the unmeasurable, without limit, beyond comprehension joy that he has, so that your joy can be full. It's like filling a Dixie cup with the ocean. That's Jesus' offer to us. C.S. Lewis once said that human history is a long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God to make him happy. You were made for your soul to be satisfied in Christ. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Friends, do you remember where Christ is seated right now? At the right hand of the Father. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Christ. Trying to experience full joy without Christ is like trying to have a bright day without the sun. It just can't happen. Oh, and when we, in this life, when we're attempting to fill our soul with created things rather than the creator, it'd be like trying to fill Austin Stadium with just 12 people. You're always going to feel hollow and empty and slightly awkward, because that would be the experience. The key to happiness isn't choosing happiness. It's choosing Jesus. Following Jesus is the best way to enjoy life now and the only way to enjoy life for eternity. This is what Jesus offers you. The true vine offers you true life. That's what this text shows us, and this is why we should abide in Christ. The true vine offers us true life, and the true vine can offer us true life because about 15 hours after he's saying these things to his disciples, he's going to be cut off and uprooted. All of us in this room left to ourselves we are, are nothing but dead, dry branches awaiting for the fire because we are all fruitless on our own. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, sin, you can think of it like this. It's our failure to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the failure to love each other as we love ourselves. None of us do this perfectly. And our failure has removed us from God. And our sin is actually a rejection of God himself. And when we reject God, we sever ourselves relationally from him. Our sin cuts us off from God, the eternal source of life. So we are born dead, incapable of bearing fruit on our own. But 2,000 years ago, the source of life himself God himself stepped into our world of death and fruitless thorns. Jesus, God become human, lived the life that we never could. And as John 15, 9 and 10 says, the father loved Jesus and Jesus always abided in the father's love by always keeping the father's commands. Never did Jesus disobey. And yet Jesus was cut off on the cross. 
Lifted up on a cross, wearing a crown of fruitless thorns, Jesus was gathered and thrown away like a fruitless branch to endure the fire of the wrath of God. Jesus endured what we deserve. But three days after his death, he was resurrected to new life, like a seed that had fallen into the earth after a fruit dies. And as he rose from the grave, he has brought with him to new life anyone and everyone who abides in him by believing that he died for them and offers forgiveness of sins and a new life as their Lord and Savior. That is the gospel. That is what this church is about, gospel community church. It's not about the life that we can create, but the life that we have been given. And when we believe this good news, when we come to Jesus believing in him for eternal life as our Lord and Savior, we abide. And we experience eternal, vibrant life, real, experienced growth, guaranteed God-glorifying fruit, and infinite, soul-satisfying joy. I hope that seeing these benefits of abiding in Christ, the life and the growth and the fruit and the joy, I hope it encourages all of you, GCC, to abide, to rest in Christ and to remain in Christ and to be remade by him. I want to actually end by doing what this text says should happen. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, we just spent 30 minutes filling ourselves with the word, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I'd like to just pray together. I, I'm going to give you space to pray what God's putting on your heart, and then I'll close us in a word of prayer, and Ronnie will lead us. Father, you know every single person in this room. You know how many hairs are on their head, you know how many sorrows are in their hearts. You know how much joy fills their mind. God, you know their story better than they know their own. And God, you care for them more than anyone else. So God, we would ask that when you prune us, when you cut us, that we would rejoice because you love us and you care for us and it's for our good, not our harm. And God, thank you that 2,000 years ago, you sent your son. Jesus, you lived the life that we never could. You're uprooted for us so that we could have life in you. God, I pray for this church, that you would anchor them deeply in the gospel, that they would never depart from the good news of Jesus, that they would always find their security and their identity and their pleasure in Christ. And that, God, you would continue to lead them well through their pastors by them proclaiming Jesus and your word to them. We love you so much. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.